on the church. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I believe right now in this hour that this is one of the most important things that I can teach you as a church. Many of the things that we're going to teach you tonight, you already know. You have heard them taught before. Uh, some of you were in the back, I think, teaching Sunday school when we taught them in the past. So it will be new to you. Uh, but anyway, some of it's already known, but we want to go back over it and refresh your memory in the area of church government. So if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians, please. In verse 28, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. <clears throat> and while you're turning there, some opening remarks. The church of the living God, what is it supposed to look like? When you walk into the church of God, what is it supposed to look like? How is it supposed to function? What is its structure? And as you go through the Bible in the New Testament, you're going to find out that the New Testament church had a church membership. Okay? And that church membership had different roles and different functions in that membership. You will see in that church offices, you will see officers, you will see discipline in the church, you will see letters going out from the church, you will see all kinds of things that teach us from the Bible what a church is supposed to look like, how it's supposed to function, what is the structure of the church, basically the government of the church. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So for the scripture, let's look in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And the Bible says this. And God hath set some, say set some, in the church. Who did? God did. God has set some in the church, first, apostles, secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, that's obviously not everything the Lord has said in the church, and we'll look at it as we go further along. Go to the Old Testament book of Numbers. I ask you to pray for me as I seek to teach tonight. Numbers 27, beginning with verse 15. Much of the government that's in the church in the New Testament is typified in the Old Testament. So we have to have the Old Testament in typology to have a complete and total picture as to the way the church is going to function because the types are going to be fulfilled. The types and shadows are going to be fulfilled. So we have a type here of church government, Numbers 27, verse 15. If you have that, say praise the Lord. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, notice the word again, set. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, the Bible says God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers, on and on, okay? So that word set, again, is used in the Old Testament. So 
The Bible says, Moses is praying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which go, may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, or literally, in whom is thy Spirit. Do you see that? Notice that word Spirit is not capitalized. So he's not talking about the Spirit of God being in him. He's talking about the Spirit that is in Moses, that he has the same kind of Spirit that Moses has. So take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit or thy Spirit. Lay thy hand upon him and set him before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation and give him a charge in their sight and they shall put, and thou shall put, notice, and thou shall put some of thy honor upon him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Eliezer the priest who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out and at his word shall they come in. Both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua, set him before Eliezer the priest and before the congregation. He laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. So we have the type in Numbers 27 and then we have the reality in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Father, we come before you right now. <clears throat> we ask your blessing, God, to be upon the preaching and teaching of your word. We pray that you would open the ears of your people to hear and to receive your word. You are the head of this body, Jesus, and we give you all glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you. <clears throat> what, what type of government should be in the church? What kind of structure should the church be set up in? And as we look at different churches, denominations, so on and so forth, the churches function a little bit differently from church to church or from denomination to denomination. You understand that? The first one that I will talk to you about is a government that is based after um, a man being the leader or one man being a bishop or Episcopos is the word, an overseer, okay? Um, this idea of church government or structure is that you have one man, he is the overseer of the church. You with me here up to this point? Do you, do you understand that? Okay. And there are different levels or different ranks of ministry in that type of church government, Okay. So you'll have an overseer, you'll have deacons, so on and so forth. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But basically, the episcopos, or the overseer, is, is an individual who has authority, who has headship over the church. 
um, the Episcopalian Church gets its structure from the biblical word episkopos or overseer. And it's set up basically like that with men, certain men, having leadership in the church. Now, there is another type of leadership. It's called Presbyterian type leadership. And that's also a biblical word. Presbyter is a biblical word. That means an elder. The way a Presbyterian uh, church functions, it has elders in the church that govern it and rule it, okay, and have authority over it. Instead of one particular man, it is in the eldership of the church. Okay, so in a Presbyter-type church or Presbyterian-type church, in that local church, it's the elders that run the church. Okay? Then outside of the local church, you have elders. In the city, you'll have other churches that have elders that rule in their churches. You with me? And so it gets bigger and bigger. The presbytery, the presbytery gets bigger and bigger. The eldership of the local church, then eldership in other local churches, and then those elders will all get together. Okay, so you'll have a presbytery. Then from there, that eldership grows. Okay, it moves to the state level. Say the state level. And the state level is called the synod. Okay, say synod. And then from there, you know, you've got all these elders on the state level. Then you've got elders in a national level. And then from there, you have, they gather at a general assembly. So basically, from the local church all the way to the general assembly, assembly instead of having a leader as a man in a hierarchy type system, where man... Uh, is the overseer and you have different ranks of ministry under that individual, so on and so forth. You have a presbytery or an eldership that rules the church instead of an individual person. Okay? The third way of um, church government, that this way, the third way, is the congregation has the authority. Okay? Um, all the authority resides in the local assembly. It's, it's not in a eldership. It's not in a pastor or a, uh, an individual. The power of decision is in the church. So the church, in that type of government, determines who's going to be their pastor. They vote the pastor in. They dismiss the pastor when they choose to. Um, they set the budget for the church and, and so on and so forth so that no individual pastor has the authority or no eldership has the authority. It's the congregation that has the authority. And you will find that most often in the Baptist churches. Okay? So depending on where, you know, what church background you come out of, uh, maybe you came out of a Catholic church where they're, they're set up that hierarchy way, you know, where you've got bishops and in, in, the, in that church, you even have a pope over those bishops. If you came out of a Presbyterian type church, then you have elders that rule the church. If you came out of a Baptist church, then the church rules the church. Okay? And that does affect the way you think. 
when you come into the church of the living God, the true church of the living God, you're going to bring some of these things of your, from your past with you. Okay? Now, the fourth way uh, that some churches are set up is no government at all. Okay? So, you don't have um, authority in a pastor. You don't have authority in elders. You don't have authority in the congregation. It's, there's just no government at all. So basically, in that type of arrangement, everybody just shows up like in a, as a mass mob. They just show up and they just wait on the Spirit of the Lord to do all of the leading without any type of, you know, like I say, eldership, any type of uh, overseer in that type of assembly. It's just a self-governed kind of a church. And they say, we just let the Lord lead our church. All right? Praise the Lord. And so you will find that type of arrangement in certain non-denominational churches. You'll find that in certain independent churches. So those are the four uh, types of church government that you're going to find. You're going to find uh, in the Episcopalian type church and, and some evangelical churches a hierarchy of ministry with leaders as men. Okay, basically it's rank. You're going to have in others the Presbyterian type, which is the elders are ruling. The other one is that you're going to have uh, the third type is, what did I say? Congregational authority. They are the ones that rule the church, so on and so forth. And then you have the fourth one is no government at all. All right. So we want to go into the Bible and we want to see which one of these is accurate. Now you may be surprised uh, that some of the things that the first one, the Episcopalian type or the Episcopal uh, type of leadership, that's in the Bible. But you might be surprised that some of the Presbyterian type leadership or rulership in the church is also in the Bible. Amen. You might find a little bit of congregational authority in early works, you know, where they were waiting on an, an elder to be assigned to them taking place, uh, you know, foundation of the churches and that process. You might see a little bit of that, okay? Uh, you might see a little bit of self-governed type churches at the beginning of, of it. So you might be surprised to see that a little bit of each one of these is in uh, the Bible, Okay? Praise the Lord. And that's why we have so many different types of governments because people see a little bit of each one of those governments in the Bible. Uh, but we're going to find out what does the Bible say? How are we to function? What's the government of the church? And maybe we can go to the Word of the Lord and find out. Okay? Praise God. And hopefully when we get done, we find our church in the Bible. That, that what we're doing is, is biblical, that... You know, we're not just doing it the way we want to do it. Okay, so praise the Lord. All right. Let's go over to the book of Acts in the 20th chapter. <clears throat> now, some of you are really going to love, enjoy what you're about to hear. Some of you are not going to like it so much. But let me say this in the beginning, that God wants to set up His own church government. That's what He wants to do because 
God, Jesus, is the ultimate head of the church. And He wants to set up His own government. And He wants to govern His own church. Okay? So let me say that to begin with. Now, over in Acts chapter 20, you will see the way the Bible sets the church government. In Acts 20, and let's look at verse 17. Now, Paul is in Ephesus at this time. Now, who is Paul? I'm going to try to be real simple, real down on our everybody's level tonight. Who is Paul? He is an apostle, right? Okay, he is an apostle. What does an apostle do? An apostle is somebody who lays foundation. Okay? Most of the time, an apostle is an individual that um, sees in certain locations uh, God wants to start a work, start a church. So, an apostle is a pioneer. He pioneers works. So, he will establish a church. He will start a church. That would be what an apostle does. A pioneer, somebody who starts works in the kingdom of God. And the apostle lays foundation. You with me here? And you know that about Paul. Paul did not stay in one church and pastor one church. You will notice in New Testament ministry that the apostles and the prophets often traveled from one place to another. So an apostle then would go from one place to another and he would establish works and found works, lay foundation in those works, teach the doctrine, the truth, right? Amen. Uh, set the government in that particular work because he's responsible for the government of the church. He's responsible for starting the church. He's responsible for laying foundation. So who is Paul again? He's an apostle. Very High-ranking man of God. Do you understand that? So, the Apostle Paul is over in Ephesus and he sends for another group of ministry. And they're called elders. So look at it with me in verse 17. From Miletus he sent, this is Paul, uh, I'm sorry, he's in Miletus, he sent into Ephesus and called the who? The elders of the church. Excuse me. He's in Miletus, so he's calling for the elders from Ephesus. And the Bible says, again, he called the elders of the what? The church or the ecclesia. So very interesting. We have an apostle in Miletus calling for elders from Ephesus. Correct? The word elder there is from the Greek word presbyter. So what we have is an apostle who is in Miletus calling for presbyter or elders to come to him while he's there in Miletus. Now let's go a little bit further and let's see in verse 28. Paul the apostle is speaking to the presbyters or to the elders. This is what he says. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock 
over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now notice this. He's talking to elders, presbyters, and he says you are the episcopos, the overseers. Does that make sense to you? So that we have here in Acts the term that is used, elder, presbyter, and overseer is interchangeable. They are the same person. Not different people, the same person. Do you understand that? If you do, say praise the Lord. Okay, now look at it carefully again. Verse 17, he, the apostle calls for elders, presbyter, and he calls them, verse 28, overseers, episcopos. But again, you don't have in this passage elders and then overseers or episcopos that are different people. They are interchangeable terms. Does that make sense to you? Okay? So when we look at it in the book of Acts, we don't have this, uh, this idea or this teaching that you have the overseer, okay, the episcopos, and under him, elders. What you see in the passage is that the overseer of the churches, you know, we would call him a pastor, the overseer of the church, the episcopos, is also called an elder. You understand that? And I'm talking about in the book of Acts. Okay. Now notice what else it says. So he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Now that phrase is another Greek word, and that means a pastor or a shepherd. Okay? So what we have in Acts chapter 20 is we find out that the term elder, overseer, and shepherd are one and the same person. Does that make sense? Now, you praise the Lord. So it's not like, again, we separate them out that we have an overseer and then we have elders and then we have pastors. That, that, that's not seen here. They're interchangeable terms for the same people. Elder, overseer, they're pastors. Okay? Now, that does not necessarily mean that in the New Testament church that there wasn't a definite distinction in ministries. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But I'm just saying based on terms, the terms are used interchangeably for the same person. Okay? In Acts 20 and 28. Do you all understand what I'm trying to show you here? So according to the Word of the Lord, the, the type of church government that was set up was you have an apostle, Paul, who is calling for elders who are the overseers of local churches in Ephesus. And those elders or overseers are pastors that care for the church. Okay? So at this point, based on Acts 20, uh, verse 17 and verse 28, we are shown in the Bible that you have an apostle, 
and that elders, overseers, and, and pastors are one and the same. So what do we have? We do have a, a system of government where you have individuals that have authority that oversee the churches, those local churches. And those, those men that oversee the local churches are called elders or bishops. A bishop is an overseer. Amen? An elder is a presbyter. So, again, an apostle. And under that apostle, you have what? Eldership. You have in that eldership, they're overseers and they are pastors. So they're what? Apostle. Elder. Bishops. Overseers. Or pastors. So we do see that much. So in the New Testament church, what type of government was in that New Testament church? Well, it was an Episcopalian type government where individuals were placed by God, set by God, to have the oversight of the church. Uh, the apostle appointed the elders or the overseers or the pastors. So do you see that? What type of government then is it? Well, it's a government that has individuals in the church that are ruling over the church or overseeing the church. Do you see that? But also those individuals that are called overseers or bishops or pastors, you understand, are also called presbyters or elders. Very, very interesting. Does that make sense? So in asking the question again, what type of government it is? It is, it is a government that God sets up where He places authority or rank in individuals, but within those individuals, they're also called elders or presbyters. Okay, say praise the Lord. Now, let's go a little bit further. Titus 1. So do you see there's, a, there's an interchanging of the, of the terms? Right? Okay. Now, Titus 1, verse 5. What, what, so what type of government should the church have in it then? It should have individuals that God has set in that church. Apostles. Okay? Those apostles are setting eldership. Um which is presbyters or overseers or pastors in the church. So that's the structure. We already found out what kind of structure was in the New Testament church. Okay? So it's not a self-governed body. Amen. And it's not just made up of a body of presbyters in a local church, but those presbyters or overseers or pastors, also called elder or presbyters. Do you see that? Okay, so now we found out what type of government uh, God has in His church. Now I want to say this to begin with as well. God requires, this is so important for you to get, especially in this last day scenario where the Bible says there's going to be a great falling away that will take place uh, and the Antichrist is going to be revealed before Jesus Christ comes and takes the church out. It is very important for us to understand these things because 
the enemy wants to bring confusion into the church. And if he can dis disrupt the order, God's order in the church, uh, he knows that he's won. So we really need to understand what type of government is God's type of government. Okay. Uh, how does he rule? Amen. Now let's go over to again Titus 1.5. The Apostle Paul, again, we have an Apostle Paul, right? Okay, we have a man by the name of Titus. Titus 1.5, he said, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So we have an Apostle who appointed Titus to set order in the church and to appoint elders, which we know are overseers or pastors, according to Acts twenty twenty eight. Do you see that? So the Bible doesn't doesn't teach us about it doesn't show us a mob type of thing where everybody just shows up in mass and then once you get through having church, everybody dissipates and goes home. The Bible teaches us that there are individuals placed in the church by God, set by God, amen, to govern the church. And we have the apostle, and the apostle is saying, I appoint you, Titus, you're going to set order in the church, and you're going to appoint elders. Do you see that? Okay, go verse 7. In verse 5, they're called elders, presbyter. In verse 7, they're called episcopos overseers or bishops verse 7 for a bishop an overseer episcopos must be blameless as the steward of god not self-willed not soon angry not given to wine not striker nor given to filthy lucre so verse 5 calls them elders verse 7 calls them bishops but it's the same individual and it's the apostle that is appointing them uh, through, you know, he's given Titus that authority to appoint them over those local churches, correct? And to set order in the house. Alright? So the same term is used for the same individual. Now, let's go uh, to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 12. Yeah, so, are we confusing you? All right. First Thessalonians 5:12. The scripture here doesn't give a title to the leader. It just says, "And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you." Okay? So Paul says, "Now you need to know those that labor among you and who are what over you in the Lord. So once again, we don't have a title given here, um, but we see that there's an individual or individuals that have the rule over the church. Okay? That's God's order. That's God's way. Now we already looked at Titus 1.5 and they're called what? Elders or presbyters. Uh, verse 7 says they're what? Bishops, 
or overseers. No titles given here. That it just says they rule over you. Okay? Amen. Now let's go over to 1 Timothy 3 verse 8. And we see another office in the church. So far at this point we've learned that there's an apostle. We've learned that the elder and the, epist uh, the, elder and the bishop and the pastor are one and the same person. Okay? So at this point, this is, this is the rank or the authority that's in the church that have the rule over the church. Apostle, elders which are overseers, and elders which are overseers and pastors. Now, we come to another individual that has rank in the church. And that is found in 1 Timothy 3 verse 8. Uh, that that's not correct. Let me see if I can find it. The word deacon is what I'm looking for. Huh? I'm in Thessalonians. That's the problem. Second Thessalonians three. Okay, three verse eight. So the verse is right. You there? Okay. The next office that the church in the New Testament is referenced is a deacon. So it says here in First Timothy three verse eight. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. So now we have a term called deacon. The word deacon literally means a servant. So in the Bible, the deacons don't rule. The deacons are servants. Now you go to Acts chapter 6, and you see an appointment of deacons. So Acts chapter 6, let's go over there. Acts chapter 6. Verses 2 through 4. Then the twelve. Who are the twelve? These apostles. Called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So what we have here is we have, according to the Bible, we have a total of how many? Seven men, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. What business? To serve, you know, because there was a big problem going on here. The uh, the Hebrew speaking Jews and the Greek speaking Jews, there was a little tension, you know, and the Hebrew speaking Jews thought they were better than the Greek speaking Jews. And, you know, so we're Jerusalem Jews, we're Hebrew speaking Jews, and they were neglecting the the uh, diaspora, those that had, were scattered throughout the world called Hellenistic Jews or Greek speaking Jews. So there was a problem and. The Greek-speaking Jews weren't being treated as good as the Hebrew-speaking Jews were. So the Bible says, we've got to fix this. And the apostles say, our focus is going to be Godward. Our focus is going to be on teaching the Word of the Lord 
and prayer. Uh, so we're not going to do that. We're not going to serve tables. Which it's not beneath them. That's just the order of God. So they said, we're going to, you pick out seven people from among you that will serve, that will do that business so that the apostles can be freed up to focus on the word of the Lord. But the deacon doesn't have rulership in the church. The deacon is a servant in the church. It is an office, okay? It is an office, uh, but that deacon serves, uh, basically takes care of the house, takes care of the church, takes care of service type things to free up the, the man of God in order to pray and to study the Word of God in order to preach it. Okay? Okay, so far so good? So according to the Word of the Lord, then we have an apostle, and we have under that apostle uh, people that have been placed over in local churches who are presbyters, elders, bishops, or overseers who are pastors. Correct? We have in that local church another office, which is a deacon, and that person serves in the church. Are you with me? Okay. Is this helping anybody? Now, what is the role then of the elder or the overseer or the pastor of the church? Let's look at the different roles. Let's go over to, let me get him here. Make sure I get the right passage before I tell you to go there. Okay, 1 Timothy 3 verse 2. Here is what, now we're back on elder, okay? We're back on the pastor. We're back on um, the overseer of the church, okay? What is his role? What is to do? 1 Timothy 3, 2. A bishop or an overseer must be blameless, the husband of one wife or one woman man, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Alright? So requirement of, in the word of the Lord for the overseer in the church is that he has the ability to teach the word of God. Okay? 1 Timothy 3 and verse 5. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So the second thing the pastor or the overseer does, the bishop does in the church, first he teaches, secondarily, he is the one who's in charge of administration. The administration of the church. When he talks about caring for the church, has to do with the administration of the church. So far, so good? All right. Go to chapter 5, 1 Timothy 5, 17. It tells us there, 1 Timothy 5, 17... Let the elders that rule. See, the rulership is with the elders, or the, again, the overseer of the church, correct? So they're rulers. Let them rule well, be count, okay, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, 
especially they who, who labor in the word and doctrine. So this verse 17 again stresses the importance of administration of the set man or the elder of the church or the pastor or the overseer. Administration, but also it focuses on the teaching of the word of the Lord. And it tells us in the verse that the person that rules well and that labors in the word is worthy of double honor. What does that mean, double honor? It is a financial term. So if you have a man that, that is in the church, that's uh, he's a good administrator, he's a good ruler in the church, but he also labors in the Word, he's word, worthy of double honor. Financial support is what it's talking about. Does that make sense? Now, what you need to understand is that you're, you don't pay your pastor. From the world's viewpoint, you know, and you go get a loan, uh, you're going to have to prove income and, you know, that you work for, uh, praise the Lord, uh, work as a pastor in a congregation and you go get a loan. You got to prove that you work there and you got to prove that you get income th from that, right? So basically, from the world's viewpoint, you get paid. From God's viewpoint, a pastor does not get paid. That which is brought to that overseer or that elder or that pastor in the church is the tithe. And you can't pay that. You can't pay that pastor because it's given to him. It belongs to that pastor. Whether you bring it or not, it still belongs to him. That's why it says if you don't bring it, you're robbing God. Because when you bring your tithes and your offerings, you're giving them to God. And then God gives the tithe to the pastor. Does that make sense? So you can't pay your tithes and you can't pay the pastor. It's something that is given to him. It belongs to him whether you give it or not. Okay, so praise the Lord. Is everybody on the same page? Now let's go a little bit further. So where, where are we now? We, we found out he must be able to teach. We, must, we found out he must be able to administrate in the church. We found out that he is to rule the church. We found out that he's to labor in, in the Word. Is that correct? And we found out he is to receive financial support. And that's God's, that's God's order. Okay, let's um, go to Acts 20 again. And we see further responsibility of the, of the pastor. And I know you know all of this, but I've got to lay the foundation. Gives us further responsibility of the pastor or the, the bishop, the overseer, or the elder. Okay. Again, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you, what? Overseers. To do what? To feed. Or literally to pastor them. To shepherd them. To be a shepherd to them. To care for them. Okay, so that's the next responsibility that 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 set man has in the church is he is to be a pastor to those people. He is to be a shepherd to those people. He is to care for those people. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then we keep going. It says he's made you the overseers. You are to feed the church of God. 
which he hath purchased with his own blood. Verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So that tells you the next responsibility of the pastor is to guard and protect that church. To make sure that, that false doctrine or error is not allowed into that assembly. So he is to guard that church. Because there's going to be wolves that are going to come into that church. And they're going to try to draw away disciples unto themselves. And uh, we know that according to the book of Jude, a lot of that has to do with false doctrine and ideologies that they'll try to bring in. So it is the responsibility of the pastor to guard that church. Okay, so having said that, let's say a church tries to control a pastor. Well, first of all, the church is out of order. Secondarily, the pastor's out of order if he lets them do that to him. You know. Now, now, if you, if, if the pastor's doing something wrong, and he, he won't repent of that, and he won't get right with God, and, and he's doing something wrong, then what do you do? Do you stay there and fight him? No. What you do is you go and you find a man of God that you can set under a pastor that fulfills those responsibilities that I just showed you in the Bible. And in Titus and Timothy talks about the qualifications of an elder and talks about the qualifications of those that serve deacons. Amen. So there are things that a man as a pastor must fulfill. Responsibilities. There are um, assignments that he has to fulfill. And I've given those to you. So does everybody understand now? Okay. Again, I will say this, and I've told you this many times. If you have a man that is over you right now that is not preaching to you the truth, amen, and you know it by the Word of God, he's not teaching you the truth, or he is a moral failure, and he refuses to repent, I've already told you on more than one occasion, you leave. And you go and find somebody that teaches the truth and somebody that is morally accountable. I've already told you what to do. Okay? Say praise God. But if you have a man that is set by God in that church and he's fulfilling the responsibilities, so on and so forth, and he's not a moral failure, and he's living up to the qualifications that are given in Titus and 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, then you are, you are out of order completely to try to control that man. Amen? And I'll say it again, the man that lets you do it is out of control. Okay. Now, having, having given you that then, let's go to 1 Corinthians, where we started, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. So what, about, what have we learned so far? We learned there's apostles who appoint eldership. We learned those elders have the oversight of the local assemblies, and they are shepherds. And we have learned what those responsibilities of those elders or overseers are, and we have learned another office in the church as a deacon, 
And their role is not to rule, but their role is to serve. So that's what we've learned thus far. Okay? That's from the Bible. That's not from me. 1 Corinthians 12. Again, verse 28. He's talking about the body of Christ. And in verse 28, he says, And God hath set some in the church. First apostles. Let's talk about that. This is the order here. First we have apostles. God And who set, set them there? God set them there. So we already find out that congregational rule as far as deciding who's going to be the pastor and when the pastor is dismissed and setting the budget or the administration aspects of the church is not biblical. It is God that sets the man in the church. He's not voted in. He's, you can't vote him out if he's set by God. Alright? So that term set. We have first of all apostles. Now an apostle again is responsible for government. Laying foundation. Amen? Appointing eldership. Correct? Also appointing deacons or servants in the church that the church recognizes as being wise and full of the Holy Ghost and uh, fulfilling the qualifications as given in the New Testament for them. Everybody on the same page? Okay. So that is the work of the apostle. Primarily, the apostle finds the place. God says, I want you to start a work here. Paul, whether it's Corinth or Galatia or whatever, I want you to start a work here, Paul. So Paul is the apostle. He starts the work. He lays the foundation. He sets the order. He appoints eldership or somebody under him that's also an apostle, appoints eldership over that, that church. Are you with me up to this point? Okay. So an apostle then finds the place. The next one in rank is prophet. Secondarily, God has set in the church prophets. Now watch this. We have, first of all, the apostle. He's got headship. He's in charge of, of rule. He's in charge of governing the body. Say headship is in the apostle of the church. Now, I don't want to confuse you, but the man that preaches the Word of God to you, the man that lays the foundation in the church, uh, is your apostle. You understand what I'm saying? Paul, Paul was... Uh, he, he didn't start certain churches, and, but he said, yet I'm an apostle unto you. Because, because I've preached the Word of God to you. He said, I might not be an apostle over every church in the world, but he said, I'm an apostle to you because I preached the Word of God to you. Now listen carefully. So in the Bible, an apostle would be somebody that you have submitted to, somebody that's in authority over you, somebody that uh, basically laid foundation, pioneered the Word, that preached the Word of God to you. They may not have the gifting of an apostle, but they have a calling of an apostle in the sense that the apostle has the headship over that local church and he's preached the Word of God 
to you. So somebody that you're submitted to in a relationship, are you here today, may not even have won you to God. You understand? But they have a headship or authority over your life. And Paul called Timothy his son in the gospel. And Paul didn't win Timothy to the faith. Tim Timothy was already in the kingdom of God. And Paul took Timothy aside, laid hands on him. Uh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Just like Moses did in Numbers 27, laid hands on uh, Joshua. Praise God. And called him his son. So you can have a father-son relationship, an apostle-eldership uh, type relationship with somebody that didn't even win you to God. It's a God thing. And you recognize that I must submit to that authority in my life. I must submit to that headship in my life and, and put myself in a position of, of sonship. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Let me make myself clear again. A pastor is an overseer and an elder of the church, but he's also the one who has headship. So he is the apostle in calling to that local assembly. He may not have the gift of apostleship. He may have the gift of teacher. He may have the gift of prophet. Amen. He may have the gift of, a, of, of a evangelist. He may have the gift of pastoring. He may not have the gift of apostleship, but he's still called to be an apostle over that local assembly. So you don't have to run out tonight after church and say, i got to go find my apostle. I'm not giving myself that title. I'm just telling you the function. So a, a man who is basically the overseer, the pastor of the church, who is responsible to eventually set elders around him who have the same vision that he's got, is the apostle of that local church. But his gifting may not be apostleship. It may be one of the others. Does that make sense? But he is an apostle according to calling. That's why he will set, or eventually a set eldership around him. Uh-oh, which brings me to the next phase. Because we have, first of all, apostle. Then secondarily, prophets. Uh-oh. Now listen carefully. What we have here is an apostle who recognizes giftings in people. And these giftings, like uh, uh, we have prophet. You with me? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Well, the apostle who is the, the set man or the has the headship in the church, he's going to be working with deacons, servants in the church that serve uh, the house. And he's also going to work with other members of the fallful ministry. Amen. So around him will come what is what what it would you know some people call eldership. Amen. It's sort of like Paul appointing elders in the local churches. If you've got an apostle who's the headship in the church, he's going to be responsible to do the same thing, and that's to appoint elders around him. Even though Paul said he was an elder, does that make sense? He's he's an apostle, but he still called himself an elder. Okay. Everybody clear? So let's say you, you have a pastor, right? You have an overseer or a bishop. 
you have an elder, uh, praise God, and you, you have deacons that serve, hallelujah, and then eventually with time, there will be people that you know have particular gifts, office gifts, ascension gift ministries. They're not just used to prophesy. They're not just used to teach Sunday school. They're not just used to care for people. They're not just used to teach home Bible studies. They have the office of prophet. The office of evangelist. The office of pastor. The office of teacher. Does that make sense? Timothy was an apostle, but Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So he has the call of apostleship, but the gifting of evangelism. Does that make sense to you? Now, now, okay, I don't want to go too fast because I don't want to lose you. Also in Acts chapter 6, there are two men of the seven deacons that were used by God in the office of evangelism. Stephen and Philip. They were not just table waiters. They were not just servants in the house of the Lord. They preached the word of the living God. They were in the office of an evangelist and a deacon at the same time. So let me back up to the original point here. When we have fivefold ministry in a church, okay, you ha there's time. There has to be time for maturity and number two, need. Every church don't need more than one man in, in ministry. The need's not there. Number two, the maturity in the person is not where it should be for them to be taken and placed in an office called what we'll call eldership around the set man. They're not ready. So what happens until that time? Well, that set man that's in the church will function in all five. At times, that set man, that overseer, that pastor, that elder, amen, who is an apostle and calling over the church, he's got the headship that eventually will appoint eldership around him and deacons in the church until elders have matured. Amen? And until there is a need that one man will have those five gifts operating him in him from time to time. Are you with me? Now, now, when the need comes, God's going to have people like a prophet, evangelists, prophets, hallelujah, teachers, praise the Lord, pastors, that when the need comes, He's going to make sure they're in place. And that set man will have appointed them because they have the same vision He does. They don't get a different vision from the set man. The set man gets the vision from God. He's Godward. He gets the vision from God. He gets the government from God. And when he gets the vision, then the elders that is appointed by him, apostles, or prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers that may be appointed by him, they have the same vision that he does. They don't have their own vision. And you don't have five heads. You only got one head. Amen. But under that one head, you've got these other rulers or leaders that rule in the body. Praise God. And they help promote the one vision of the one head 
Oh, obviously uh, under the ultimate head, Jesus Christ of the church. You understand that? You have to understand this. Say amen. And, and if it functions that way, it functions the way it's supposed to. So I'm looking forward to the day, number one, and we're getting to that place where we're, there is a need. Hallelujah. To not just have deacons that serve, but to have elders that have calls of ministry, pulpit ministry, if you will, to preach the Word of God. Whether they be prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers, that'll come up around that set man and, and help promote the one vision and create provision. If you've got two visions in any house, you have division. But if you've got one vision and you've got elders and deacons around that one vision, promoting that one vision, you will have God's provision. So that's why everything has to be done in order. Are y'all with me up to this point? Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now in the second century, there was a man by the name of Ignatius who saw this type of, of arrangement uh, in the church. First, the overseer, the apostle in the church. Under him, elders that rule, that are in the ministry. And then uh, deacons or servants in the church. So what I'm saying to you is not something that's new. Okay? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So you have, you have a set man, and around that set man, you have eldership and deacons. Isn't this wonderful? Not that the set man's not an elder, but when it comes to function and appointing elders, it's an apostleship. Okay, everybody understand that. If you do, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now, these are set by God. Verse 28. Set by God. They're not chosen by men. Don't, don't you ever get in your head as a church that you have a say-so as to who is going to be the prophet or the evangelist or the pastor or the teacher in, in your church. Don't you ever get that in your head. Because God is going to set them. He's the one that's going to do it. You're not going to vote them in. You're not going to vote anybody out. He's going to set them. He's going to bring them. And, and the head, the headship of the church, the apostle, if you will, is going to recognize God is sending that man or that woman or raising up from the very midst of that church, that man or that woman that is matured to be an elder that will rule. Does everybody understand that? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And I can listen to those that preach and I can pretty much identify what type of gifting's in them. When I heard Brother Daniel preach Sunday night, you know what I heard? I heard the gifting of evangelism. Amen? Uh, I hear Brother Timothy preach. I hear the voice of a teacher. When I hear Brother Jonathan preach, I hear the voice of about three or four. Brother Jonathan, stand up so everybody knows who we're talking about. This is Brother Jonathan. Amen. He's in the process. And Brother Timothy and, and then Brother Daniel, they, they've let, you know, they've told me, God's called me to preach. 
Amen. So with, with time, as the need is there and, and the, the church grows and the maturity is there, then praise the Lord. I don't know who it'll be. It'll be Brother Daniel, Brother uh, Jonathan Lemons or Timothy. I don't know who all it'll be. It may be somebody you haven't even met yet. That you don't even know yet. That's got to, God's going to bring into this place to help. Because if you, yeah, let me just say this to you. You know, we look around and we see a church, right? But you're a part of the body of Christ. And God, because God sets the person, He can talk to somebody you don't even know and, and tell them, now I want you to, I want you to do this. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I, I have an assignment for you. Hallelujah. And that set man or that headship will recognize that gifting and that call of God. But that set man also has the ability to know if that person is in order or not. You can tell by listening to them, you can discern their spirit, okay? But, but, but God, yeah, that's my responsibility is to know. Hallelujah. Who God is raising up in this hour. I give the Lord praise. Okay, everybody on the same page. So even those, when you get into the book of Acts, the elder and the pastor uh, and the overseer are one and the same. As you go progressively through the Bible, you see the apostle, you see elderships that rule, you see deacons that serve. Basically, that's the government that's in the church. That's, that's what I'm trying to get you to understand and how, how that all works, okay? Now, I'm limited in time. I can't preach all night. So I just got to give you bits and pieces the best I can. Now, let's go over into Psalm and we're going to see a very, very significant passage. Because remember, we have the types also. We have to look at the types. What do the types teach? The types teach high priest apostleship. The high priest governed. The, pri the high priest uh, made sure everything was in order. High priest apostleship. We have priest eldership we have levites deacons that serve so the type is in the old testament so now let's look at psalm 133 i'm almost done next hour or two when we when what is it when we say we're about to close what does that mean Absolutely nothing. Okay, Psalm 133, are you there? Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment. This is the anointing oil. Upon the head, there's headship. You see, how does it flow? <laughs> it doesn't flow upward. It flows downward. So we have headship. Anointing stops, starts with headship. It flows downward. So you have headship and then that oil flows down to what? The beard. That's leadership. And then underneath that leadership, you have the garment. That's the body. And that's the saints of God. So you have headship, leadership, fellowship. That's the way the anointing flows. It does not flow from 
here up, it flows from headship down. Headship, leadership, fellowship. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. All right, just for the sake of time, I'm going to go on. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1. <coughs> New Testament again. Okay, Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the New Testament. Are you there? Okay. Well, some, I'm trying to think and pay, turn page at the same time. Somebody help me. Read Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Brother Timothy, please, loud. Okay, who do we have? Philippians, we have Paul and Timothy. Who are they? They are apostles. Read. Okay, he says they're the servants of Jesus Christ. Read. Okay. Who do we have? We have Paul and who? Timothy, apostles. Who else? The saints in Jesus Christ. That's the body. Read. Who else? With the bishops and the who? Deacons. So we have the overseers and we have the deacons. So we got headship in apostles. We've got the body of Christ. We have eldership or overseers. And we have deacons in the assembly. So the proper structure or form of government is more of an Episcopal type government. But it has the Presbyterian, the Presbyter type aspects of it. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. All right, again, overseer, the word overseer, which was appointed by the apostle or the elder, means to, to be a peer, to watch over. Uh, it literally means to visit with authority, to be with preeminence, or to be the preeminent one or be the head writer. Okay? Does everybody understand? Let's go back over to the Old Testament. And we see a type in the Old Testament here in Numbers 27. Is this helping anybody? I feel good all over. See, it's important that, that we understand proper government, church government, and, and how, it, how it works. Okay, Numbers 27. Let's go there. Moses is fixing to go away. He's fixing to go away. He's fixing to go off the scene. And he knows that. Alright? And so he goes to the Lord and he talks to God about God setting a man. Again, the set man. The set man over the congregation. Because he knows he's going away. Notice what Moses says. Verse 16. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. Okay. Again, Moses is not the one choosing. God is. And God is going to set that man over the congregation. But who is this Lord? He's the Lord over 
Read it. It's important. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. You know why Moses said that? Because you and I have a spirit inside of this body. And you and I, listen to me, as saints, don't know what we need. You don't know what you need. You start thinking you know what you need, you're going to start making horrible decisions. And I'm not talking about what grocery store you go to. I'm not talking about what car you drive. I'm not talking about what kind of shoes you wear. I'm not talking about all that. I don't want to get a phone call every day and say, Pastor, what kind of beans do I fix today? <laughs> you, you, you got somebody that's telling you what kind of beans to fix and what kind of car to drive and what kind of clothes. Are you all with me here today? That, that's not in the story here. But spiritually speaking, the saints of God, your sheep, the sheep don't know what they need. And so God, who is the Lord over the spirits of all flesh, He knows what you need. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And so God sets a man over you and He tells that man, He gives that man the vision and the order and He tells, tells that man what the church needs. Because the church doesn't know what it needs. That's why this congregational rulership or the authority being in the congregation, which, a Baptist, which is a Baptist thing, it, it, it's really a problem. Because they don't know what they need. So God has to set the man. And the Bible says, now look at this very carefully. He's going to go out before them. He may go in before them. And which may lead them out. Right, right them. He's leading them. He's going to bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep without a shepherd. Do you see what God is saying? In, in, through Moses, He's showing you that the congregation doesn't know what they need. They need to be led in and out. They need a shepherd over them. Are y'all here? Which is simply, all these ascension gifts that we're talking about, uh, the government in the church is God's gift to the body. It's just His gift to the body. It's a manifestation of Jesus. He is the ultimate apostle. He's the ultimate prophet. He's the ultimate evangelist. He's the ultimate pastor. He's the ultimate teacher. And when He puts those men in those positions, all they are is a manifestation of Jesus. That He might be seen. That He might be glorified. Not that a person might be seen. But that Jesus might be seen and might be glorified. That's what it's all about. So the sheep, obviously, they don't know. They, they need leadership. Amen? They need a shepherd. And so verse 18, the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, or somebody that has your Spirit, in whom is thy Spirit. Is somebody that has the same vision you've got, Moses. Because the vision that Moses had came from God. And so he wants to make sure that the man that follows him has the same vision that Moses had. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise in the house. He's got the same spirit. 
He's got the spirit of his daddy, if you will. He's got the spirit of his father, if you will. Does that make sense to you? He doesn't say the one that's got the Holy Ghost in him, the Spirit of God. He's got your spirit. And now, Moses, you're going to take him and you're going to put your hands on him. Do you see that? It's a transferring that takes place from the man of God, the headship, to the man that will follow him. And that man that will follow him will have the same vision that the, that that father did. Hallelujah. And it won't be the Holy Ghost only that he operates in. It'll be the Spirit. That's why when you see, hallelujah, people in different churches, that you, you, know, you can almost say, I know who your pastor is. Because they have the characteristics of their daddy. Are you hearing what your pastor is saying here today? Because they don't just have the Holy Spirit of God. They've got the Spirit of their Father. Their pastor. Do you understand that? And that's a good thing. Because you don't want division. You want provision in the house. So he takes him out. Sets him. Hallelujah. Before he leaves to the priest. Verse 23, 22. And all the congregation lays his hands upon him. Gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Does this help anybody? Do you get it? Now what did Elijah say to Elisha? Because Elijah, Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Did you hear that? Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah says, if you see me when I go up, or literally, if you see eye to eye with me. Elijah's caught up. The mantle of Elijah comes down. It's a picture of the, the prophetic anointing. It came down and Elisha, hallelujah, the prophet, picks up the mantle of his daddy. And he does not say, my prophet, my prophet. He says, my father. My Father. And so the double portion that Elisha received was the spirit of Elijah and the spirit that he would operate in. My Father, my Father. It was transferred to him. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house. But I tell you again, Elisha did not say, My prophet, my prophet. He said, My Father. My prophet. My father, my father. And because of that, he took up the mantle of Elijah and saw twice the miracles. Hallelujah. The anointing of Elijah and then the anointing that would come upon him. Do you see that? If you see it, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs> so all the way through the Old Testament, this structure that we're preaching to you is seen. Now, how do you qualify for ministry? Go to Numbers 28. Say amen. amen. And I'll just throw this in while you're turning there. Remember when Moses, he's the, he's the head, the headship over the congregation of God, you know. And these people are starting prophesying in the camp. And people got all worried about it. They came, hey, hey Moses, there's people prophesying in the church. They thought Moses was going to get all uptight and say, what do they think they're doing? No, he said, would to God that every person in the nation of Israel were a prophet of God. 
Amen. And the workload was so heavy for Moses that God told him, He said, you take some of thy spirit and you put it on 70 men. He didn't, God didn't say, I'm going to take my spirit and put on the 70 elders. He said, you take of thy spirit and you put your spirit on them. Hallelujah to the Lamb. What qualifies you for ministry? Now you can you can be anointed. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost in you brings anointing. But you can be anointed spirit, but not have authority covering. You understand what I'm saying to you today? When Elisha got the mantle of Elijah, he didn't just have spirit. He didn't just have anointed. He had authority because he followed that man. He ministered to Elijah. He poured water. Are y'all with me here today? He served him. He walked with him. And when Elijah tried to, you know, deter him, say, you go here, I'll go there. He said, no, I'm going with you. Elijah said, you go here, I'll go there. Elisha said, I know I'm going with you. The third time, you go there, I'll go here. Elisha said, I'm going with you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Because I want what you've got, Elijah. I want I don't want just what you got. I want a double portion. I've got to have the mantle, not just the spirit. I've got to have authority. Give the Lord praise. And so a person can have gifting. They can have spirit. They can have anointing. What brings authority to their life is that they've got a covering in their life. You can be anointed, but naked. The Bible says that Saul, the Bible tells us, and you know the condition he was in. He was in a house, man. His, his clothes, he stripped his clothes off of his body and he started prophesying among the prophets of God. And the question was, is this man a prophet also? He was prophesying naked. What are you saying, pastor? You can prophesy, but be naked. You can be anointed, but naked. So it's not just anointing that you're after. It is authority that you're after. You want a covering. Now, where do you get that? Let's look at it. Numbers 28 and verse 7. No, no, no. Give the little hand clap of praise. Uh, it's not 20. It's not that one. Let me get the right verse. Can't help you if I read the wrong verse. Is this helping anybody tonight? Amen. If it is, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Numbers 29. Okay. Praise the Lord. I gotta make sure I got the right verse here. Okay, let me slow down. And what I want to teach you, what I want to show you, is what qualifies you for ministry. And 
I'm looking for where the Bible says that the sons of Aaron were to wear their daddy's clothes for seven days. Anybody see that? You see it, help me out. I must have wrote it down wrong. Nobody sees it. Twenty-nine, twelve. Is that twenty-nine, twelve? Twenty-nine, twelve. I don't see it in twelve. Okay. So anyway, what I'm I just just take this time because I didn't write it down right. I was writing down so much to try to bring to you tonight. But here's what you need to understand. is What qualifies you for ministry is that okay, you have a high priest. That high priest, the Bible says that his sons that would follow in his footsteps, they had to wear their daddy's clothes for seven days. So it is something that is passed on from fathers to who? Sons. What did the Spirit of God say about his son? Talking about the humanity of Jesus. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Father-Son relationship. Do you get that? Okay. So what qualifies a person for ministry is not that they've never made a mistake. Men make mistakes. People make mistakes. What qualifies a person for ministry is not a system. It's not Bible college. What qualifies a person to be in ministry is they had a spiritual daddy. They had a spiritual father. So that that, that's why God said in type to Moses, sons, you are to wear your daddy's clothes for seven days because it's a father-son relationship. That's what qualifies you for ministry. Can I tell you something today? I would have no business standing behind this pulpit if I did not first have a pastor that I submitted to and number two, an apostle in my life, a father in ministry. Amen? Amen. I had a pastor, amen, who won me to God and I had a father after I was in ministry that helped me in the ministry. He's gone on to be with the Lord. So I qualify because I have a father Son relationship. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise here today. Okay? So let's let's move on. Just let's move on here. The point being in the Old Testament we have types. High priest, apostleship. Amen. High priest. Priest, eldership. Levites, deacons. Headship, apostles, elders, rule, deacons, serve. That's the biblical type of the Old Testament, which we've already seen in the New Testament. Everybody understand it? Look at your neighbor and help me preach then. Tell them this. Relationships are required in God. 
Look at them again and tell them, genealogies are required in God. See, don't think you can just go out and do your own thing. You understand? There are things that are required in God. And that's the very thing the enemy wants to do. He wants to disrupt the order in the house. Say, give God a hand clap of praise. Now, very quickly as I come to a close, proper order. I love every one of you, but I've got to help you. Okay? In, in a service, when, when you know how it is, the order that is set in the house, we don't give every saint in the church okay, authority to go lay hands on other saints. Because that will create an out-of-order situation. You understand that? A lot of people mean well, but they don't have discernment. And, and they do things, and, and they don't mean to do things, you know, they just do them. But the reason why they do them is because they're not walking in proper order at the time. Now, for example, Sunday night we talked about, you know, the person next to you. Help them get in the presence of Jesus. Right? Amen. Well, that doesn't mean go lay hands on the guest and ask God to save them. Because you might be laying hands on a prophet. And it might be you that is in need of prayer from them. I'm going, are you kidding me? You know, now you, 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 can, you can treat me, and you shouldn't, but you do. You can treat me like, you know, I'm just, just a human being and all of that because you, you forget anointing. And so you, you show disrespect and all of that at times. And okay, I'm your pastor, and, I, and I, I have to deal with you in long suffering. I have to deal with you in, in patience because I know that you're just a human being just like I am. But you need to understand that you get out of order. You go lay hands on a prophet, anointed person of God, and pray for their salvation. That tells me you didn't have discernment. And you should have never done that. The first day that I met Melvis, I respect her because I know I know where she is in her spirit, submission. I know I can I know by the way she talks, I know the way she handles things. I know what she's told me about what she's seen, that it's true. Okay? The first day I met her personally, she was talking, we I was talking to her, my wife was there, Mr. Dell was there. And at the end of the conversation, I said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. Now, I'm a pastor of this church. But I'm not going to run over and go, hey! Now, I, I love you. I told you I'm not getting on you too hard. But I'm just telling you, some of you, because you have lost respect, for leadership in the church. 
because you're losing that headship in your life. You're starting to do things on your own that's going to get you in trouble. Things that I wouldn't even do and I'm the pastor. And you got somebody coming in the church and you don't know them unless the pastor tells you to go pray for them you keep your hands off of them. You don't know them. You don't know who they are, what they're about. Unless the pastor tells you to talk to them, you don't talk to them. You can say hello, but you're not going to go over there and try to get spiritual and give them counsel. See, order, order is very important because, listen to me carefully, the Bible said, there's a man by the name of Uzzah in the Scripture. See, he got too familiar with the ark of God. He got too familiar with the presence of God. I want everybody looking up at me right now. Don't look off to the side like I'm not talking to you. I want you to listen to what I'm saying to you. He got too familiar with the presence of God. He reached up. The Bible says the ark started wobbling on the cart. And Uzzah reached up with good intentions. And he touched the ark. And the anointing was real. And the ark was real. But he's dead. Because he mishandled anointing. You start laying your hands on things you're not supposed to lay your hands on. And people you're not supposed to lay your hands on. That anointing that's on that person is real. And you may have felt God when you did it. But you can mishandle the anointing. And you better be careful. And I don't say that for myself. I say that for your sake. Because people are getting way too familiar with leadership. And they think they can handle and touch and do things. So to help you, don't do it. Don't do it. There is a proper flow of anointing. Headship, leadership, fellowship. And again, whoever, I don't know who it was that did it. I don't want to know names. Because then you think I'm just coming after you. I'm setting order in the house. You got to be careful with anointing. Okay? And it's not nothing personal. Nothing personal. But the anointing has to be protected. That's why when a man who is the set man or the overseer of the church begins to appoint, and obviously we give you a voice, we appoint the deacons, whatever, or the, the at this point they're called trustees, directors of the church. We give you a voice. Say, yes, we're with you in that. We'll back up that decision. We'll back up those leaders. Yes, pastor, that's what you're doing. You're not voting them in. Amen? But when that, when that pastor, that set man of that church puts that eldership in place and puts those deacons in place, you hear what I'm saying to you today? It is their responsibility, especially the elders, to protect the vision. And any devil that tries to get to that man of God to try to destroy that vision, that eldership should be just like this. You're not touching it. You're not going to touch the Lord's anointing. I'm going to protect it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because that's a proper way of handling anointing. Okay? 
So I don't, I don't say that because I'm mad at you on a personal level. I'm just telling you, the order of God burns in you. So don't mishandle it. Good people die. Good people die as it was a good person. Good people die when they mishandle the anointing. And I will just say this real quickly because I'm, I'm really about done. But I will tell you one thing that this woman of God who's in order at this time told me. She told me about the outward battle that's going on against the church. Not just this church, but in this area. Four major spirits in rank. She said God showed her to the queen of queens. Strongholds in this city that fight the work of God. Not just this one. And are you here? And she said, and I said, yeah, sister, I know. I know I can I can name the the people that those spirits are manifesting in right now. I know who they are outside of the church that fight this church. I know them by name. And she said also, Pastor, within the church, she said the way they fight you is by gossip outside of the church. And she said within the church, they fight you by gossip. I said, I know. But God has raised her up from the outside to intercede to help us fight those spirits that are on the outside and the spirits that are on the inside. Ultimately, that's my responsibility. Do you understand that? It's a spirit of gossip. And this came out of her mouth. And it, it again, I want you to know it's not a personal thing. I... I don't want any bad thing to happen to anybody. I want you to know that before I say this. Do you understand where I am? I don't want any bad thing to happen to anybody. That's, that's a God deal. Okay? But what she said, she said to me, Pastor, she said there will be people who right now are trying to find a way to apologize to you, but they are afraid. She told me that, gave me that word, one day, it was either the same day or the next day, a saint in the church apologized to me and my wife. The same words. Okay. And she went on to say, There's gonna, there, there are many people right now that want to apologize to you, but they're afraid. Came to pass. But then she said, Those that don't, it will not be well with their life. That's what she prophesied to me. I want it to be well with them in their life. So I hope they find a, a place, a, a way to apologize. And the person that came to me and apologized about something, and it was they were in violation of the Word of God. Okay, And, and that violation of the Word of God affected the ministry. When they apologized to me, I said, Oh, you know how I am. I don't know exactly how to handle all of that sometimes. And I'm just waiting on God. How do I handle this apology? And He told me, He said, Tell them that you forgive them. I said, Sister, I want you to know right now I forgive you. I hold nothing against you. I, I forgive you. 
And I say, Lord, we pray for you right now. The blessings of God would be upon your house. Because that, that apology wasn't lip service. That apology was real. And the Lord said, forgive and pray a blessing on the house. Say amen. So there is a proper order. It's anointing. It's not a man. You're not to be afraid of a man ever. But fear God. You fear the anointing. You don't fear a man. You fear the anointing. Can't get hallelujah to the land. You get somebody, and I know they are really anointed by God. You're talking about a man that has a real reverence. Big time reverence. When I know I'm in the presence of somebody that's really anointed by God. My knees start shaking. Not because I'm afraid of a person. But fear of the Lord. Amen. So if you want it to be well in your life. Then understand the government that God has set in the church. When we get ready to appoint eldership, we will call them up in a public way, lay hands on them and, and place them in a public way. And at that time, they will have rulership authority in the church, but it will be submitted to headship. I have men that serve me. My wife is on trustee board. In a sense, it's a deacon, Brother Thomas, Brother Mark. They are tremendous helps to me, constantly helping me, making sure that the house is attended to. Do you understand? And then all of you, in one sense, are deacons that serve. You serve when you clean the church, when you, when you serve. Anything you do in the house, you're like a deacon. You're like a deacon. You may not be in the office. You understand? But I'm not going to take somebody. The Bible says you can't appoint a novice. That's a new convert. Because they'll fall into the condemnation of the devil. That means they will get full of pride. So you don't appoint new converts into positions of authority. Amen. The Bible says lay hands on no man suddenly. More than one application, but the context means don't put them in an office quickly until they're tested and proven. Okay. So as we progressively move along in these things, we may, we may appoint people in, you know what I'm saying, steps to that ultimate position before we put them in that ultimate position because it's dangerous so y'all pray for me that I have the wisdom of God in order to do that in closing again it is not just spirit anointing you're looking for it is authority that you're looking for authority comes with being clothed being under a covering say amen now, first of all, on the first level of understanding, it's when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, now you can be used by God and the gifts of the Spirit. God can use you to prophesy. God can use you to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. God can use you in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Amen? He wants to use you in body ministry. And I'm supposed to help you to do the work of the ministry. Amen. As a head. And any elders or deacons, hallelujah, or elders specifically, 
are there to help you do the work of the ministry and be used by God in the gifts of the Spirit and to be an awesome soul winner. Amen. And that's what we want. So ultimately, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you have the anointing. When you get water baptized in Jesus' name, the authority is in the name of Jesus. So you, the Bible says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is the anointing. It's power. The name of Jesus is the authority. But as you learn to, to be under a covering, you won't be naked. You'll be anointed and covered. And that's what we're all after. Give the Lord a hand clap for praise. So I hope this has been a blessing to you as to what type of government it is. Is it an episcopus type government? Individuals ruling? Is it a Presbyterian type government? Bodies of elders ruling? Is it a congregational rulership like the Baptists would have? Or is it a free-for-all, no-government arrangement? I think the Word of God gives us the answer. Praise the Lord. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Hallelujah. Stand. Let's pray. Father God, I come before you right now. We ask your blessing to rest upon this church. I pray for your wisdom. Your Hallelujah. Thank you, God, today. Lord, I pray over the church today. Number one, Lord, that I would be under your authority, under your headship, walking in proper order. Fulfilling my responsibilities, God. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are being raised up by you to be used in the ministry, preaching, offices, Lord, of ministry. Thank you, Lord, for the deacons that serve. Thank you for your body that's filled with your spirit, that is used in the gifts of the spirit. To do the work of the ministry, mighty God. Let us walk in proper order and proper government. Ultimately, Lord, you get the glory and you get the honor that you might be seen in and through us in every way. In Jesus' name I pray. In closing, throughout the Bible you'll read this term. Anoint the head. Do you know how you anoint the head? Anoint the head. When you submit to God-given authority, in your submission to God-given authority, you're anointing the head. So I, first of all, in closing, I just want to say this to you. I love all of you. And I thank God for every one of you. And I pray that what I've taught you will help you understand the government that God has set in the church. And if you're out of order, get in order. Amen. If you need to make some things right, you then do it. Make it right. Praise the Lord. Because I, I, how many of y'all want to be blessed in your life? Thank you, Jesus. And I want this church to grow. And, and I appreciate everything. I appreciate everything you do for God. Amen. So be in prayer. That the will of the Lord be done in this city. That the will of the Lord be done in this church. Amen. And we'll grow, and you'll grow, and we'll be happy in God, 
and it'll be well with you in your life, in your family. And that's what God wants. Amen? Maybe sometime I'll teach you and I'll show you what happens if that proper order is not there. I will show you what happens to the gift of a prophet when that order is not there. I will show you what happens to the gift of a teacher when the order is not there. I will show you what happens to an evangelist when the order of God is not there. Okay? Sometime in the future, Lord willing, we will show you not just the positive side of government, but some of the negative things that come if there isn't a proper order in the church or in your life or in your ministry. Okay? We don't want anything to do with that. So may the Lord bless you real good. In Jesus' name. Go to somebody tell them you love them. Hallelujah. Just don't lay hands on them. <laughs>